Hello, welcome back to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort from Pixelkin.org, and I am back as usual with my co-host Brianna Wu from Giant Space Cat. How are you doing, Brianna? Woo! Uh, Whoa! <laughs> Hi! Wow! I'm here this week. Wow! Someone, someone's like, in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. I just got a. I just ran seven miles. So yeah, I feel it. I'm feeling it today. How does one run seven miles? Is the human body even capable of that? Yeah, yeah. It's You have to train up to it. And what, what? you need is just to have a lot of anger. And then you just go take it out oh. on, on the treadmill. I actually, uh, before I had my knee surgery, I had run 3,000 miles every single year for like a decade straight. So um, wow. I love to run. I love to run. And then I literally ran my knee into pieces and had to take uh-huh. six months off. So, Simone, I have a question for you today. Okay. Um, listen. You're you're a game journalist, right? I actually am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, true. Can you get me a new 3ds? I've looked and they're sold <laughs> out everywhere. You, you know, let me let me just go into my closet of 3ds's okay. supplied <laughs> by by Nintendo. Right. And uh, you know, I'll send you a, a couple. You how many you want? Uh, well, I assume if you go to Courtney's place, like I assume she just has some stockpiled, like she's uh, a member of the I Montana militia. Because Courtney scares me. Right? Yeah, you don't want to mess with her. But you got the like life-size Link statues. You've got the Majora's masks, the wallpapers of Majora's mask. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a scary place. Does she wear like a, a new 3ds around her her neck, like Flava Flav? Because she should. Like Absolutely. that would be. And you yeah. know, it's blinged out. Yeah. Right. You know it is. Okay, so just take that from her and, and send okay. it to my house, okay? Can you okay, do that? you want the blinged out one? Yes, yes, definitely. yes for okay. me. Okay. That's a deal. That's a secret Can I have deal. one too? Yeah, totally. Come on. I have like... Because cause I need I need this, I need need the Majora's Mask one is what I really oh, need. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need, I, need the, I need the limited edition because I still regret not like pre-ordering that and I'm very yeah. sad. I have a I have a dream of using the 3D feature of the 3DS and being able to shift my head like a millimeter <laughs> and having the 3D feature still still work. I think having the 3D feature of the 3DS work would be the killer feature of this model. I really like the 3D on the new 3DS XL. I have to say, I was really really impressed with it. Cool. No, it's a cool. It's a cool device. I've played with it a little bit. The only pain, of course, is transferring your games, right? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't even. Don't even get me started. So I haven't. Heard I was going to say. Yeah. You've got to open it up. <laughs> well, you have to do a satanic ritual, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and hope that it doesn't get rid of some of your like like special badges and stuff. I mean, your game downloads yeah. will at least be preserved regardless. And you literally you have to get like a screwdriver out and like move sh- move stuff over like it's well that's it's the bad. ridiculous thing because you end up i believe do it using a, a mini sd card anyway to transfer it over but there's like 10 you other do. steps involved in that it's not just you know put the sd card no in. you can't it's just like... take the sd card in right because of the, the drm and stuff that they've got yeah. it, it's like stored in a rom like on the actual device itself and so you literally have to do surgery and i've talked to a number of people who have lost like <sighs> you know certain like 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 uh you know badges and 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 um special things uh, no one should be prying open their hundred dollar devices to transfer data over it's 2015 we know better exactly. than this <laughs> and not only that but can we talk about the fact that it doesn't even come with a power cable we sure can uh i think that's 
I don't know. It's, it's are we on isometric? Yeah, it seems a little consumer. I, well, look, it, this is accelerated geek conversation, this and, is and true. I think yeah. all accelerated geeks everywhere are interested in the new 3ds uh, 3ds XL is because it's it's awesome and it looks great and it it's is. got a lot unless going you for need it. power for it. Then it's but, not but, so but, great. Unless, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> I mean, and the, the, what's, what's dumb to me is is that their argument. This is literally what Nintendo told us. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, we just figured that everybody's going to already have you know a 3ds, oh. um, and 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 so they can just use their existing power cable. And I'm going, okay, but what about parents who are buying these for kids? Or I don't know, what exactly. about like 32 year old women who like don't know where the power cable for their old 3ds is because they haven't used it in forever. Wow, are you referring to maybe someone that you ha- are familiar with there? You know, uh, yeah, intimately. Life? I'm gonna, like maybe I'm talking about myself. You know, and maybe. I'm like I haven't. <laughs> used my 3ds in forever and i'm finally gonna upgrade it's totally ridiculous something like that and i don't know where power cable is yeah. yeah everything that you need should come in the box and i just i just got um the elgato video game capture card for work yes and it came those with, are great you know I yeah it that. came with yeah. everything usb cable hdmi cord VG- vga everything like it had everything i needed was in that box and it was so convenient i can't imagine not knowing or buying a 3ds a nintendo 3ds for a kid as a parent who doesn't really understand consoles like that's that's the one that you would buy for someone right of course it parent, is and you know you get home and you open it up and-, and and then you're like you can't charge it like and i can totally understand <laughs> in terms of of I can totally see you know, an HDMI cable or a VGA or, or even USB. It's lame, but I understand it. But a power mm-hmm. cable? And and then I remember working in video game retail, which is what I did when I was in high school. And when you would try to explain to people, oh, no, it doesn't come with the RF connector, you know, and they would get mad at you and think that you're trying to rip <laughs> them off. I can just imagine people at Toys yeah. R Us or GameStop now being like, oh, it doesn't come with a power cable. Do you want a power cable? And people are like, yeah, right. It doesn't what? come with a power cable. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, it's like when I used to sell printers at Best Buy and I'd be like, yeah, you know, it doesn't come with a USB cable, do you have a USB cable? And they'd laugh at me like I was joking. Oh, I'll just use the one in the box. I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's actually not one in the box. <laughs> also, there is no God. And I, w- I was like, they want us to sell you this this stupid gold one that that is thirty dollars. Yeah. You don't need the thirty dollar one. I would never try to upsell that because that was stupid, and I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna do that. I wasn't on yeah. commission, so I wasn't gonna sell that. I was like, but here you can buy this twenty dollar one. And they're like, well. I'm going to just use what's ever in the box. It's like, dude, there's nothing in the box. I am all for wireless devices, but this is not what I meant. Yeah. I hope there's a YouTube out there of like high school Christina selling stuff at Best Buy. <laughs> that would be epic. That would be epic. So you would look like this is what my imaginary like mental video of Christina working at Best Buy looks like. So you're like just sitting there and you look like Daria the entire time. Oh my you God. Have, like that, that kind like, of unimpressed like sarcastic look on your face and you got that game on lock and yeah like, kind of yeah, yeah. You, you weirdly no i mean sort of sometimes that was my internal thing but no i was really good at my job and i had custom shirts like my best buy shirts were way too big for my body mm-hmm. so i bought lacoste shirts that were custom fitted and then like transferred the best buy like logo <laughs> onto those shirts so that they were fitted and looked cute <laughs> And I was super tiny. I weighed like 85 pounds and, and I knew everything about everything in the store. And so a lot of men like wouldn't want to buy from me or wouldn't want to talk to me as a salesperson. I'll wait for the guy. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, he's just going to ask me anyway. Right. Um, and then, but by the end of the time, you know, I'd have like a huge line of people just waiting to ask me questions and buy stuff because I literally knew about everything in the store because I was like the super nerd. Um, but yeah, at certain times when I would like try to, when I would be, get stuck on printer duty, like, and sometimes you would get stuck on duty where you had to be in the printer aisle and yeah, you'd have to sell printers and sell like the accessories. That is when I would turn into Daria. 
um, or, or more, more, more aptly, a member of the fashion club. I'd be Sandy from the fashion club. I'd be like, oh. oh my God, you guys, like, I cannot believe that this is what is happening. And yes, you have to buy a printer and it does not come with a cable. Oh, That's whatever. a good Sandy. Oh my God. I have no it? idea you like, have is that this skill. N- wow. I can totally do Sandy. I can do Sandy and I can also do Stacy. Stacy kind of talks like this. And hey, her voice is a little higher like this. Oh, come on, Kevin. Go away, you Morgan Dorfers. Kevin's mine. And then there's, oh uh, there's the Asian girl. She's like, Oh my God, Quinn, you're way cooler than Sandy. Oh my God, Sandy, you're way cooler than Quinn. No, but Sandy, she's totally the best. And this is a voice I've literally been doing since 1997 when that show premiered oh on MTV. Yeah, this is, just, this is what happens, you guys. Just end Rocket today because we're never going to top this moment. Bye, everyone. It's over. Like, it's a nice doing That is Christina Warren doing, doing the, 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 the that um, is fashion club That is unbelievably good. Holy crap. Oh, my Thank God. You. Thank like you. Like, I'm flashing <laughs> back to neurons I've not used since the 90s listening to you. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's my secret skill. Wow. That and my Joan, that and my Joan Rivers impression. Not a wow. secret anymore. Let's get it out there. I know. It needs to my, know. Who my are? Joan Rivers, darling. I can't help it. My daughter, she's not talented. She's I, I, I can't help it. It's such a shame. When, <laughs> when, when, when I die, darling, everyone was so upset. <laughs> including the doctor who took the selfie while I was dying on the table. And he was like, oh, look, Joan Rivers is there. She makes a beautiful corpse. I'm like, darling, I'm still alive. But oh now my I'm God. gone. This, that, there we I go. feel like I have no talent. After <laughs> this this show. When you move to New York, I'm just I'm just wasting my life not being Christina. It's it's all downhill. It's all downhill. I, I think Christina is the Steve Jobs and the Johnny Ive of yeah. this podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's all true. Right. We're all coasting on her talent. So. Oh, oh my god! By the way, oh. who are you again for the show? Um, it's Christina Warren of Mashable. Oh yeah, oh yeah, my other co-host, <laughs> Christina Warren of Mashable. <laughs> Senior tech editor at Mashable. Um, hi, Christina, and five other people that live inside you. Like yeah. you, Simone. How are, are you, you guys going? I'm awesome. We're totally going to be talking about like stuff and fashion. It is fashion week as we record this. No, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm That's good, guys. Good. And good. Um, this is honestly like I I never share the side of myself on any of the podcasts I've ever been on. So now I honestly feel like the audience has gets to know me as a person yeah, a little special. bit better because most people don't know the side of me. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. good. I, I'm glad we could make a podcast finally. Yeah, <laughs> finally me too. bring this me side too. of it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. I I'm just gonna redouble all my life plans to one day be your intern. Like we were talking about that yeah. before. For the show started, like, you know, I think, like, Mashable won't give you your own intern. Is that is that correct? Is that incorrect? They won't. We, we have a tech team intern, Rex, who's fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, at Rex Santos. Um, he's a big, big fan of Gone Girl and yes. um, movies yes. and is great. And he's our, he's our mascot. We love him. <gasps> but I should have my own intern. You should. He is fantastic. Yeah. He's adorable. I should because I get so much email and I can't go through it all. And I feel like someone who goes through my inbox, that would be a great learning experience for anyone. Plus, you would get to hear me do things like my Daria and Joan Rivers impressions <laughs> like all day long. Like that's what would, that's what life would be like. Um, we just hired a, a new uh, product reviewer and his desk is next to mine. And it's both a gift and a curse. It's a gift for me because he's great. And we get along fantastically. It's a curse for the rest of the office because every day we wind up making tons of noise and bothering everyone who's trying to work because we do things like we're playing with the Oculus VR, the, the, um, 
the Gear VR, um, uh, Samsung's, you know, virtual reality goggles, or I make the decision to lick a raspberry pie and comment that it doesn't taste like raspberries. Um, and, and, or, or I scream obscenities at the Amazon Echo, you know, and, <laughs> Just and, a typical and the day in the office, life of Christina Warren. Basically, well, see, and be, but beforehand, it was just kind of like I was the one crazy one at, at, at the, like, the, the group of tables where I sit at. Mm-hmm. And now I have like a, a partner in crime. And between the two of us, we got all kinds of review gear. And, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, That's people are awesome. starting to regret the fact that we sit next to each other because every single day, Ray is like, I'm not going to make a bind of Christina doing something crazy. And every single day, <laughs> I wind up doing something that makes them bind me. That w- that's what happened when our web dev Bradley Stafford was in the office with us. We found out that I would unconsciously copy everything that he did. So if he made a weird noise, <laughs> I would make the weird noise. He stretches and makes a face. I stretch and make a face. I Amazing. had no idea till everyone pointed it out to me. They're like, "You you need to. This is weird." Did Simone, you guys record is- this? Did you guys record this? Because that would have been like a great episode of like for for YouTube. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I want yeah. him back in the office, but he has bring a him back in the office. Oh, you should bring him back for like one day so that you can do like a special episode. And, and like, you know, Simone mimics um, Special uh, episode of This Week in Family Gaming <laughs> featuring yes, exactly Remix. Right? I mean, I think that everybody would love that. Well, and it would actually be a really good family gaming thing because, you know, kids love to play the mirror game. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't you guys remember watching Mouser Size like on Disney, like when we were growing <laughs> oh my up? God, and like I they would totally remember that. <laughs> right? Oh, and you totally like God. Or, and oh you would totally God. like you would totally like like pretend to like be in the mirror like with your mom or your dad and mm-hmm. like like doing like other motions so like that's what you would be doing Simone you'd be bringing that to a whole new audience you'd be doing mm-hmm. mouser size for the next generation all right all right I'll I'll make it happen <laughs> I'll bring the future to Pixelkin you should do that you should so you guys want to talk you totally about some should. tech <laughs> yeah we should probably talk <laughs> I about think tech. we should although <laughs> I'm up for doing an all 90s slash 80s uh, podcast with you Christina we should we should expand yeah. the show we totally and, should and um, yeah. actually this actually is relevant to your interest, Simone. I got a pitch today for that from someone that a Math Blaster. Do you guys remember the game yeah. Math Blaster? Oh my god! Oh my god! I played it's that back. until it broke. It's oh. back as a Facebook oh. game. Oh, oh my you god! Lie! It's you back lie. as a Facebook game. You lie! I know. You they they pitched me, me on it today. Yeah. Math Blaster is back as a Facebook game. It was built using the Unity web player. Um, I'll, I'll put it in the show oh notes. Oh my god! Um, it's yeah. I, no one I could. No one at work got excited about it, and I was what? like, "How no. can you not be excited about Math Blaster being oh back?" And everybody God. was like, "Whatever." I remember getting the additional module and putting it in there and obsessing about that. Yes, oh my God. same. And, and everybody was obsessed with like Beyonce, like having like untouched photos on the internet. And I was like, "Okay, look, Bay still looks amazing. Who cares?" But <laughs> well, let's talk Math Blaster. Right, right, right. Wow, <laughs> you nerd. Wow, we should I just know. do an entire show too. about the Math Blaster. Like next we really spell. Should. Well, <laughs> entertainment games of the early nineties. Right, right. That's a that's whole it. that's a whole can of worms there. Zumbinis is on Kickstarter right now, which I learned this week and I turned around and I I gasped so the whole office could hear. I loved that game growing up. It was so much fun and I, I really I would I would kill to play it again. I would actually kill a man. And I will. I mean I probably won't have to, and now I can pay for it, but you know. Did you guys ever, do you guys remember this? And you might have been too young, um, Simone, but I remember, um, reading some of these games. There was, uh, there were, there was a a series of games ironically called Rocket, um, (laughs) that a company called Purple Moon put out. 
in the late 1990s and it was a um it was a Mountain View based um a game studio that was aimed at girls like girls between like ages 8 and 14 and they made these really great CD-ROM games that would be like kind of about friendship and stories and story driven games and kind of puzzle driven they're really smart and like I remember playing Rocket's New School and reviewing it for um some online publication when I was like 16 and being really impressed with it and to this day it still stands up in my mind as like one of the best games of that era that was ever made for, you know, like, like, you know, tween girls, um, mm-hmm. purple moon software, really good stuff. If, uh, if anybody ever wants to go down a weird rabbit hole of, of nineties nostalgia. Yeah. I don't remember playing looks, that, but I'll check it out. Yeah. I've definitely never played this, but it looks really familiar. Were there books? Associated um, with I don't think there were books associated with it, but they were like, like rocket. It had two T's. Um, and yeah. it was, it was a good, it was a really good game. And, and I think she had like, you know, like there's some of the openings are on um, uh, YouTube and stuff, and 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 actually someone has dedicated an entire wikia to Purple Moon, <laughs> um, to the whole fandom thing or whatnot. But it was actually they were really good games. But they they were nice. some of my like, I wish that I'd been old enough or young enough, I guess, to enjoy them because I was too mm-hmm. old when they came out. But my mom was a school psychologist, and um, I told her to like recommend them to you know kids at her school if they were looking for you know episodes nice. or you know looking for for like you know computer programs or whatever about you know learning you know new new um new friendship skills and things like that Mm -hmm. yeah that is very cool yeah that is cool so uh do you guys want to talk about some of the topics this week you want to get Uh, into it i i I apologize (laughs) no 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 more taking everyone off topic no 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 i think when we go off topic that's when rocket is at its best actually (laughs) (laughs) so uh, certainly it's most accurate (laughs) what do you guys want you know before we get into the 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 steve job i'm sorry the Johnny Ive thing. Like, you guys want to talk about Sony? That. You guys want to talk about Sony? Because sure. this is a. We do want to talk about Sony. Oh my oh. God. Oh my God. So, you know, long story short, you know, Sony basically came out this week and announced they're no longer an electronics company. And they're basically they're, like we're video you, games and movies. Right. Video yep. games and movies. And, you know, um, there, was this, uh, there was an article in The Verge about it. So they're basically spinning off that division. They spun off the Via division. Um, spinning last off audio year. and vi- right. video. And all of that. Yeah, so, it, it, right. it bio, and also TVs, which was actually the bigger deal. It was right. the last year yeah. they, they made TVs its own entity. That was actually bigger than Vio because Vio hadn't been making money for a long time right but but getting rid of tvs where you know they were kind of like the tv company and and saying that that was going to become its own and you know um wholly owned subsidiary was a big deal yeah yeah Yeah. and now they're saying that not only are they doing that but they're also going to do audio and smartphones which uh (laughs) you know um via con <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean smart, smartphones doesn't surprise me, and I like the right. Xperia smartphones, but they haven't done well. They've done, I mean, they've been nice devices, but they haven't done well. Audio is interesting because, um, you know, uh, audio and video. So it's both their cameras and their audio stuff. That's interesting because they've still, from what I've understood, been making a profit on that stuff, or at least mm-hmm. I thought they were. So now, I mean, basically, it's just it's basically they're doing gaming and uh, they're doing you know the home entertainment division. That's basically it. But I mean, I mean, their smartphone or mobile division, like the Verge had a, like, what is the most fascinating chart ever about, you know, what is making money for them and what's not. And they lost $1.5 billion on their mobile division, you know. It is. Um, 
yeah. the scariest part of that division of, of that thing too was was the thing they make the most money on is financial, financial services. services. What does that even mean? Yeah, what like, does that credit like, card? Is that like a Sony credit card at Best Basically. Buy or something? Basically. Oh, wow. That's Basically, it's, 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 it's like credit card offerings, and then probably in Japan they probably have some like more distributed sort of interest mm-hmm. or, or, or yeah. whatnot. But yeah, it's basically like branded credit cards, like right. a Sony card. So they were saying that one of the reasons the phones had done so badly was because of all this garbage software and ex- excess services and stuff that yep. came with them. So they're getting rid of that in an attempt to boost up the phone sales and they're also uh, the similar you know the the parallel between getting rid of garbage software and getting rid of divisions of the company it's right it's it's brutal garbage divisions garbage software it is although what's funny is that i mean they definitely had a lot of superfluous uh, software and services on their devices but they actually contributed more to open source and github and Mm -hmm. and more to um the android um you know aosp um, more than much m- most other companies did. Like, mm-hmm. like actually, Sony was a much bigger contributor to AOSP and was much better about keeping their their firmwares and 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 their um their ROMs up to date than say mm-hmm. Samsung or HTC was. Which is the sure. irony there. Like, yeah, yeah. most people wouldn't realize that. But if you you they had a weird skin on top of it. But it was actually closer to a stock experience. The problem was, of course, you know they had all these different music services. Like they had Sony Music Unlimited, mm-hmm. and oh. they had the Curiosity, which was what it was before that, and then it was called something else before that, and they had their video yeah. service and there were other things and they announced a couple weeks ago that they were actually getting rid of music unlimited and just putting spotify right as their new service on the playstation which made which made a ton of sense yeah Yeah. no that Um, definitely does except that you can't play taylor swift on spotify so what's well you can't well it well this is true this is true except but you i I think they still have it so you can buy some of the songs i don't even know okay right um i think but but i mean because like i i i pay for her through through itunes and spotify at least not on my phone but on my um you know laptop i can listen to her that way that's true um but yeah, no, I mean, you're right. You know, no Taylor Swift does make it a, a tough Well, it raises the question, who hasn't bought Taylor Swift's music outright? I Well, this is true. Are I mean, they even th- considered people at this point? <laughs> I don't think that they are, frankly. I mean, I think the latest results are all that she sold like 6 million copies in 1989 um, oh since my God. Um, uh, the end of October. And right. so she's outsold Red, which was which came out two years ago when the music industry was in a far more like healthy place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's outsold her last album and already and that's been out for like you know two and a half years yeah yeah, yeah. so what could sony learn from taylor swift uh yeah they should bring her into right <laughs> well that's actually the conversation i wanted to have here is yes. yeah what's what's really interesting to me is i remember back when sony products were awesome and I remember, yeah, they were like, like they were the they, they were, were the shit. There was I sold them. In Everybody my opinion, the PlayStation Four is. I, yeah. yeah, it is. Well, it is Sony, a great, great well, device. I I think it's the weakest of all the consoles, personally. But that's that's a topic for isometric. Mm. But you know, yes. it's it's uh, what I I think it's really interesting. You know, I think there's a case study to be done here with Sony. Kind of, you know, they were a company that when Apple. When Steve Jobs was coming back to Apple, he wanted, to be, you know, he wanted them to be Sony. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He, he was talking about them. And I remember this. It, like, when you were at the store and you were, like, looking at an alarm clock to buy, you would, like, want to spend more for the Sony one because you knew it would be well-made, the OS would be intuitive. And what I think is a really interesting story about Sony is how since... I'd probably put it at around 2000 because, like, I remember getting a Sony Ericsson smartphone in, like, 2002 mm-hmm. and it was one of the best yep. ones on the market. Oh, totally. And I think it's really interesting how 
they've just become completely unable to compete in consumer electronics in the last yeah. decade. And mm-hmm. yeah. like, Christina, you're, you're very insightful. Like I have my own theories, but like, why, why do you think that is? What do you think has it's, gone wrong? Well, it's been a branding thing has been part of the biggest problem. I think for a long time, Sony um, really rested on their laurels and they thought that the cachet of being Sony was going to last forever. Yeah. And what they did was that they didn't make very good products. And so what happened was, I think two things happened. One, they had too many levels of Sony. So you had the cheap, you had like the, the, the good, better, best is how they would sell it. But really you had the cheap, mm-hmm. slightly more expensive, and then like the, the expensive good one. And what happened with that is that you, you know, once you could buy Sony everywhere and you could see it on everything, um, it kind of diluted the brand to a certain degree. You know, you could get a Sony TV or a Sony Walkman or Sony whatever. And maybe if you spend enough money, it would be good. But if you didn't, then it would be not so good. And the quality wouldn't be that great. Mm. And so people had negative experiences with it. Um, meanwhile, you know, Samsung started coming on really strong and doing really amazing things. And, and especially yeah. with the TVs, you know, Samsung, I guess yeah. about, you know, five, six years ago is when they really started to overtake Sony big time in, in HD TVs. And they had better screens, they had um, better prices, they had better features. And then the irony what most people don't understand about um, television sets is that most of the companies all use the same panels. So it's usually the same company making the internals, regardless, you know, it's just a difference of software tweaking and, and maybe, you know, design and other stuff. And so Samsung just blew them out of the water. Um, but I think what had happened for a lot of people was that Sony, for far too long, thought that their products were good enough to sell at a premium when they really weren't. And mm-hmm. then they had differing levels of quality um, that you could get at different things and it diluted the brand. And, yeah. and I just don't think they innovated, you know? I mean, like the, the Walkman I th- I think is... that's their central problem is... Yeah. I remember, I remember buying a Sony via laptop and I remember that yeah. being the thinnest, sexiest, fastest laptop It was, it was like a MacBook before a MacBook. It was. Yeah. It was wow. really well made. Um, to me, I think two things have happened to Sony. I think that, you know, with the iPhone coming out, I think it's demolished a lot of industries. And the truth is, I don't use an alarm clock anymore. I say, hey, Siri, wake me up at eight. And I think that that is true for a lot of different uh, devices of consumer electronics. Um, yeah. And I think all these divisions of them, like their camera division, their 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 phone division, you know, the clock division, like all these different things you used to buy these gadgets for. I think you, you mm-hmm. just don't go out and do that. I think I think something that happened is, is two things slowly ate Sony alive. I think they've they've long had this frankly stupid propensity to make their their gadgets too complicated to use for the sake of proprietary software. I think a really yes. good mm-hmm. example is uh, back when I was working on recording, I remember back when the mini disc was one of the uh, you know, best yes. things you could use to like portably record music and, and play was. music. It was a really good product. It was a great but data the system. software was a mess. It was a it hot was. mess trying to use it. And I think as we move forward, you know, I think as Apple saw this consumer problem and made the standards, the, the barriers to entry so low. Yeah. I feel like Sony's propensity to kind of protect itself with this kind of poorly written proprietary software, I think they just simply couldn't compete with Apple's simplicity there. And I think the other thing that happened is I think they found themselves utterly unable to compete on design. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I remember I, a while back, let me tell you a story. When we were, when we were, um, when we were looking at starting up my company, Giant Space Cat, I asked myself, I said, you know, I have Macs, but Unreal doesn't work on Macs, or at least it, it didn't back then. So I said to myself, what is the highest quality 
PC that I can buy at any price. Because like, if I'm going to sit down and use a computer for 80 hours a week, I want it to be the best available, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, I don't need to save $200. Like this is my whole life. I want the I want the best one that's available. Yeah, I remember going to the Sony store at the mall and being appalled at how poor the quality was of their laptops and desktops yes. compared to a Mac. It, it felt cheap. Mm-hmm. It felt clunky. Like you would squeeze it and just the, the quality wasn't there. The finish mm-hmm. wasn't there. And, you know, when you take And the away, software was bad. And they the had, software they had was bad. The, the junk software on, on it. You know, exactly. it wasn't just the Windows sucks compared to Mac. It was that they right. would put this other crap on it exactly. and make it worse. Exactly. Sorry, so, go on. No, no, no. And it, so I think at that point, if you're looking at like, what was Sony's old advantage? Like making simple, well, you know, easy to use, like stylish consumer products. And they lose the stylishness edge and they lose the software edge and they mm-hmm. lose the functionality edge. And you have to ask yourself, like, what are they doing well? And I think that's why you're seeing like them unable to innovate. I've often mm-hmm. looked at getting an Android smartphone, and I've I have long looked over at you know what Sony has put forward, like going, come on guys, please put forward a product <laughs> that I can buy. And they've just never been able to ship quality products. So mm-hmm. I mean, do you agree with that? Do you disagree? How do you guys feel I about do. it? I yeah. think the competition is always between Apple and Samsung. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, always meaning like for the last five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Which makes me wonder when one of them is going to... Well, I don't think that Apple is resting on its laurels. No. Yeah. Uh, Samsung is going through some growing pains right now, and, mm-hmm. and they're especially facing problems with China. You know, Xiaomi is, is one of the big companies that, that's starting to come up with high-quality, low-priced uh, uh, products. I think that my, my big question about Xiaomi is is their, their scalability and, and whether they mm-hmm. can con- continue to sustain what they're doing, because we've seen that sort of problem before. But no, I mean, you know, Samsung um, has built up a good brand and is is, is in a lot of areas. Um, you, you mentioned mini disc free. You know, yeah. before the iPod, I had I for for years I was listening to MP3s on a portable. Uh, music player, not Same. on an MP3 player though, yeah. um, because they were expensive and you had to use like a compact flash or like a, a, a secure digital card. I think that is what they were called, not mm-hmm. an SD card. It was it was something before that. Um, it was like it was like a weird like. I, I you remember know, it looked my like Rio a, had the the oh god, what was that called? It was so clunky. It had like five thousand pins in it. CF card. Yeah, I yeah, think. Exactly. Yeah. It, called, it was yeah. it was it was like a it was it, it was you know um it wasn't secure digital, but it looked like one of those blown up. You know they yeah, they didn't yeah. store a lot of music they were expensive um so i had a mini disc player yeah. and i would connect it to my sound card and yep. i would um use one amp and i would download all of my music files to, to my mini disc player and i loved it and and it would it would separate each track and i could label each track the way i wanted to and it was great discs were about two dollars and it was about as much of it as, as a cd and for you know sony had an opportunity even when mini disc was finally starting to get a little bit of popularity to make it easy for people to put MP3s on mini disc, and instead of doing that, they wanted people to use some weird proprietary format. And right. then the iPod came out, and it was awesome. And I was like, "Well, screw it, I'm getting an iPod." Yep. And then finally, yeah. after the iPod became popular, they were like, "Okay, well, we'll, we'll let you put MP3s on a mini disc easily. You won't have to go through a conversion process." <laughs> right. And at that point, I'm like, "You guys, we've already you've already lost the market. Yeah. You've already yeah. lost the window you had. You know, and it, it, I mean, that's kind of their problem is that they had a lot of mm-hmm. really great technology. I mean, I think the PlayStation Three is a great example of that. I mean, I think they've come back a lot with the PS4." 
But, you know, they had great success with the PlayStation, the PlayStation 2, and then the PS3, not only was it late, but frankly, it just wasn't as good as the Xbox 360. It was hard to program for. And, and right, right, you know, right. they didn't really have the ecosystem that people wanted. And and that really hurt them in terms of, it's like, okay, so what am I getting this for? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, I do think, you know, I... I prefer the Xbox One this generation and programming critique aside, because you're quite correct, it was it was extraordinarily difficult to develop for. But I think that the PS3 and consoles in general make Sony better. Because the console is an experience where they're just yes. the consumer isn't going to tolerate Sony's PS, you know. <laughs> this is like, true. I, I would actually agree with that. You know, I would say like weirdly, they pull it so close on the Vita and the PSP. Like they get they get as close as they can to screwing over the consumer with their bad they ideas. Do. They like, do. Like yeah. every single time I turn on my Vita, it's oh my god, every time. Yeah, go ahead. But but, yeah. but but the but the PlayStation three and, and especially the PlayStation four, you know, they do actually ironically do a really good job with the user interface. Right. Their, their services yeah. aren't always good, but they do actually have a good user interface. The irony, of course, is it's like they have five different user interfaces. So if you've got a Sony TV, a Sony Blu-ray player, a Sony a PlayStation Four, you've got three <laughs> different interfaces. And, uh. and 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 all different remotes. And they all kind of look similar, but none of them are the same. Yep. And like mm-hmm. Samsung, to their credit, they might not all be the same, but they're similar enough. And they at least, like, you know, Apple's going to, you're going to know an Apple product regardless. Yeah. Samsung, yeah. you can at least meander around it. With Sony, I'm sometimes intuitive. I'm like, really? It's intuitive. Yeah. And, and Sony, I'm like, okay, if I have a PlayStation, I'm fine. But anything else, what the hell am I doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the central problem. It's just, oh, I don't know. I don't As know. As a developer, yeah. Brianna, do, yeah. have you tried to, I think, I feel like I've heard you talk about developing or trying to put things on PlayStation before. Has that kind of, that barrier to uh, creativity affected you and your interactions with the with developing for Sony, for PlayStation? Well, you know, I, I I talked about this this week and on, on my Twitter. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we tried very hard to work with Sony. We tried very hard to work with Sony because Unreal Engine 3 is, you know, compatible with the Vita. And if you yeah, look at the right. the game type that, um, you know, Revolution 60 is, it, it would yeah. use the touchscreen very well. It would be great for that. Yeah. It would yes, be it a would. really good product. Um, I'm going to say wait till my book comes out to read about it, but we had a very bad <laughs> experience with the sony team and they should they, they just yeah. weren't great to work with at all that's really unfortunate. Um, i'm sorry to yeah. hear that because i know yeah. I, there are so many good indie games that do come out for ps4 and it's it's my go-to console for those sure. things but it sucks that the process is so harrowing i guess yeah i think it was um i think it was due to different different factors in that mm-hmm. um i will say we found microsoft to be a very good partner to work for yeah. so uh you know with and uh, stay tuned on that i was talking to microsoft today about this but um i don't know i think that i i i just wonder like with with sony hemorrhaging all of these divisions mm-hmm. i mean do they do they have a future i yeah, mean are do they, they going to float on their own I yeah mean, bio- is releasing new tablets. I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. They look really good too. So yeah, fancy. I what what's your opinion, Christina? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to see the Sony brand disappear just because it's become this iconic. I know it's a Japanese brand, but it's become this iconic world brand, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, and I still have kind of a lot. I don't have an affinity the way I did that when I was younger, and I certainly don't hold it up to quality the way I did when, you know, years and years ago. But, you know, you hate to see big companies and big brands disappear. But I, I genuinely don't know what they're going to do. I mean, if they're basically just going to be selling PlayStations, financial services, and, and movies. 
and movies and then their movie studio is kind of in shambles right now for a lot of reasons yeah yeah not just because of the sony hack it was having it was having issues before that you know, mm-hmm. you kind of have to wonder about like what are what are they doing and can they get it back together? What has been sad to me, I have to say, about them spinning off some of these divisions is they've actually been doing interesting things both in audio and in cameras and cameras yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're they're um, you know the the, the RX um, 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 uh, Mark uh, Mark III camera is really really fantastic and um, it's 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 a really great you know um like like mini mini camera and then they're doing some some really really good stuff with it um you know they're doing some really amazing stuff with um their their sensor technology the, their yeah. new TVs actually look amazing i have yeah. to say if i were to buy a tv tomorrow and i didn't have a budget mm-hmm. i'd probably get a sony <laughs> over a samsung yeah. weirdly enough um uh, but it's really hard because you know they're just they're they're they're, they're not <sighs> It, it's just not coming together for them. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely I, well, agree. Well, with well that. I think it's just that they're not investing. I also think it's that the their brand is just really, really hurt right now, and people don't trust them. Yeah, you know, I people agree are with much that. more willing to spend their money on Samsung, even though Samsung might not be living up to all the expectations, rather than they are with Sony, because they're like, you know what? I've used, I bought Sony last time. I got burned. Why yeah. am I going to go back there? Yeah. So it kind of sucks that they're finally getting their stuff together again, but. This now they have seemed, good products and nobody trusts them. Yeah. What it were you seems say? so yeah. stark to say people don't trust them and now they're just kind of dropping that dead weight. Like it it seems so bleak yeah, <laughs> when you yeah. put it that way. Well, I guess I'd, I'd make two points and I think we'll we'll kind of wrap it up. I think first I would say like when I look at their camera division, and, you know, cameras are another you know, industry that, you know, the iPhone and mobile are cannibalizing. But it really right. does seem like they are innovating big time in the, the professional camera stuff. space. Um, you know, something we're looking at doing at GSX as we go through, you know, our, our VC expansion is, um, you know, we're asking ourselves if we want to have a, we don't kind of believe that bro game journalism is going to cover the kind of games that we're passionate about. So we're looking mm-hmm. at different ways to, you know, basically engage our consumer base. And one of the yeah. ones is like having a, a, a kind of a, a YouTube division to kind of, you mm-hmm. know, reach consumers that way. And, yeah. you know, when I look at the equipment out there, like Sony stuff seems really, really awesome. So um, I don't know. I, I like the the innovation they're doing in that space. I think the other thing I would say is uh, I was just so thankful when I read the story to see that, you know, they're not selling off their movie division because I'm going to be devastated if we don't get Paul Blart movie cop, <laughs> mall cop two. Mall cop two. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, well, that's very true. That's a really important movie to me and my family. Like, I feel like it speaks <laughs> to my life experiences. Uh, so, yeah. Ever since I converted to Sony Leaks as my religion, I, <laughs> yeah, I understand, Brie. Yeah. That's really important to me too. I hope they stick around and provide me with laughter and hope for generations to come. I hope so too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think I can top that. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to our second topic. Uh, so, uh, God, which who wants to kind of tackle this? Christina, you wrote the cliff yeah, notes on it. Do you, want to talk about, do you want to talk about this? Sure. So um, this week um, in The New Yorker, um, Ian Parker wrote a really incredible piece of journalism. He was, he got access to Johnny Ive and Apple's design lab at, at, at design studio, I should say, um, at a level that frankly, Apple's never allowed people to have access. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a 17,000 word. Uh, that's not a, that's not a mis, uh, statement. 17,000 words as, as we can all attest to having to like go through. It's this, literally this, a novella. It's a book. It is a novella. <laughs> it is a book. Um, profiling Johnny Ive and the design studio and kind of his process 
And it's a really, really great look at who Johnny Ive is and his increasing role at Apple. And I think John Gruber actually summed it up well. He said, you know, it's very clear that Johnny Ive is spread really thin. And that's true because you see all the things at Apple he's touching. You know, they talked a lot. It, it, the interview took place kind of in, in the days and weeks leading up to the Apple Watch launch and then right after. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's really interesting to kind of get inside the mind space of, you know, the second most important man at Apple and and arguably, you know, the most, um, you know, um, I guess, influential person other than Tim Cook and probably even beyond Tim Cook in some ways and less, less than others, um, you know, person at Apple because, uh, you know, he basically, since Steve Jobs passed away, has become the creative force both for their hardware, their software, and for their new products. And mm-hmm. so it's it's a really interesting piece of journalism, I thought. Uh, one, that it profiled him as a person, although, it, you know, he was very guarded about his answers and very kind of guarded about his his private life and, and his upbringing, which um, Ian Parker, the author, even commented on, saying, oh, you know, he spoke in such a way that I understood, but it was sort of frustrating. Um, but you kind of got a sense, at least I did, I kind of got a sense of who he was and what his kind of, a raison d'etre is and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what kind of drives him. And then I also kind of felt like I got a, a sense of, of just how much Apple really relies on him and mm-hmm. his, his leadership. Um, you know, there, there's a whole design team. It's not just him, but, uh, it was really interesting just kind of to, to get the sense of everything he touches. I mean, he not only is he doing the Apple Watch and is he doing the other products, but he's, working on the new Apple campus and, and helping design aspects of that. And, and he's obviously looking at other products and he's working on the software and he's working, you know, on, 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 you know, uh, just basically he's touching almost every single piece of the company. And, and I don't know, I I don't know about you guys as a journalist, it was really fascinating just to see, how much access um, Parker was given. That's what I couldn't figure out. Yeah. And I thought, you know, um, no disrespect to, you know, Leander Connie, uh, you know, who yeah. wrote Johnny Ive, the genius behind Apple's Christ products last year. Um, I've liked a lot of his books, but um, I thought his last one, Ive, was kind of a dud, to be honest. Um, I thought, you know, he didn't really have that access. So well, he didn't. Re- I mean, that was the yeah, whole problem. It's, exactly. It's, uh, I, right. I, yeah. Leander admitted himself. I mean, he did not get an, uh, he did not get an interview with him. Right. So he's like basically kind of going out and inv- well, interviewing everyone else around him. And I thought I that was why this was so much more powerful. Yeah, go ahead, Simone. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the, exactly. That That's why I think it feels so special is that you have these strange, intimate moments, you know, where he's in the car with Ive and Ive is commenting on the design of the to- Toyota Camry. And it's just this very personable moment. But then also it has this incredible, almost biblical imagery about Apple, like, referring yes. to the tables covered in sheets of gray silk, how Ive is directing the creative soul of the company. And when a designer comes into the room, it's like a priest walking into a church. It had, it was very mythological, but then it imbued the figures of that, of the mythology of Apple with that little bit of humanity, but it still felt very surreal to, you know, read about Ive and Chris Martin and Bono just. No, no, the, the, yeah. yes. It was, it, it, it was funny how much, how many of his famous friends were name checked. I mean, it was oh, like yeah. Mark Newson, who just recently started, Yo Yo Ma, John Digweed. <laughs> that, that one excited me because I'm, I'm a, a old school mm-hmm. uh, techno fan. Um, you know, uh, Stephen Fry, you know, Bono, yeah. Chris Martin, <laughs> you know, like all these people. And you're just like, dude. And then it, it's funny because on the one hand, I've tried to kind of present himself as being like the everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe that's true to a certain extent, but he's also, you know, driven around in a chauffeured Bentley. 
yeah. and has his own, you know, that 20 he feels seat very about. <laughs> right. Well, but, you know, he feels guilty about, but he's not going to give up. Um, yeah. and, and it's chauffeur, they didn't mention this in the article, but the reason that he's driven around, the reason he has a, a driver is because he wrecked his car a few years ago oh. and Apple, Apple became very concerned about his livelihood, frankly. They're like, okay, yeah. we're going to have to get you a driver because we can't trust you to drive to work every day <laughs> and, and, and not like get an accident and die. And if you die, we're, we're really screwed. Um, and wow. so, um, you know, but, but, but again, he has a 20, you know, passenger Gulfstream jet that he bought from, from Lorraine Powell Jobs, who that was interesting to me too. How many quotes she gave that she was so willing to talk mm. to Parker about Ive. Um, right, and she right. seemed very personable and very nice. I mean, you know, she doesn't really do a lot of press or interviews. Um, when I wrote my story on the, 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 the problems with the Steve Jobs movie, I did reach out to her and her people and they got back to me. They were very kind and said no comment. Um, <laughs> uh, which honestly though, that, that made my day because they didn't yeah. have any correction because oh. I wanted to make sure that I didn't have anything that I was saying against them or whatnot. Right, 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 right. And, nice. and so I was actually, to me, I took that as, cool you know i i'm not saying anything that, that's misrepresenting you know how you guys feel and no comment is completely fine you know yeah, at least yeah. you gave yeah. me at least you responded they no comment replied. half the time yeah. right, half right, the right, time right. you know apple proper will not respond yeah. when i reach out to them for comment on something yeah so um I, I i was quite pleased with that but no she she was funny she was she seemed she was you know personable talking about him but no mm-hmm. it was interesting how they I don't know about you guys. I kind of, it was interesting to me how it seems like I've wants to see himself. And actually someone had commented about him in, in a prior article, I think for fast company, someone who used to work for him and said, you know, he wants to be liked. He wants everyone mm-hmm. to like him. And that definitely came across that he wants to be seen kind of as the everyman. But the truth of the matter is he's not the everyman. He's no, he's a genius. Be, he, he's a genius. Not only that, but he's also impossibly rich and he has incredible <laughs> design sense and his best friends are rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not, he's not an everyday guy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, it, it's wonderful that he's humble. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, it's also like a little bit of a, the humbleness almost seems like a facade because at a certain point, you have to think, dude, you're hanging out with Stephen Fry and Chris Martin sitting next to you at the Apple Watch event. Chris Martin is sitting next to you at the Apple Watch event. Like, mm-hmm. he's there for you, not so he can perform. You know, yeah. like, I, Okay, whatever. J.J. Abrams is sending you text messages and is like, I'm sorry, I can't be there. I'm shooting Star Wars. Like, <laughs> like, 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 doesn't text you? No, he doesn't. I wish <laughs> he did. Oh, that's a shame. About, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is really? a shame because I would talk to, you know what all I would do though? And I would just ask him about Felicity like 24 seven. That's, <laughs> that's a whole other tangent, but I would just want to talk about Felicity the entire time. Well, you know, let, um, me, let me, let me shoot him a text for you. I'll, I'll get you on okay. the list. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, but no, but I mean, you know what I mean? But but it's like, he's not a normal guy. He's oh, an yeah. icon. He's fantastic. And he's also a very wealthy, very successful man. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I, it's okay for yeah. him to imbibe in that a little bit. I feel like self-deprecation is something that can only be afforded to people who are very, very successful. Mm-hmm. Because I, I mm-hmm. struggle with that every day. I really? am very self self-deprecation is kind of part of my sense of humor but i realize that for people who don't know me and as such a young person it does not come off as humor it comes off as un- lack of confidence hmm. but for someone like i've i think he, he can afford that but maybe yes. he shouldn't <laughs> and i've, I've never perceived you as as having a lack of confidence just for the record Thank like you. i think you're awesome but um i, think I don't awesome know too. i guess i guess as i was as i was reading this piece i was i was struck by what a a good manager um you know i yes. seems like running his mm-hmm. division because 
I mean, yeah, this is my job as well. And I think, I mean, I, I could write an entire book about how to work with creative people and get the best, um, you know, work out of them. And the parts of this I was most drawn to was like hearing, you know, kind of I've struggled with jobs who would kind of, you know, decimate you know, members of the design team in kind of cruel ways and mm -hmm. how he kind of took parts of that and said like, yeah, I need to be more honest in my feedback and not be selfish. But he was also mm -hmm. very, very careful to do that with a with a human touch. And I don't know, I mean, for myself as a as a as a team leader, I, I really work hard to have that environment where we can be honest with each other, but mm -hmm. never cruel with each other. And I thought that was very appealing. I also really respected how, as he was talking about, um, you know, the work his designers were doing, it was very, it was like, whose idea was this? It was the team's idea. And yeah. there wasn't that, that me, 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 me credit taking. And I, I thought mm -hmm. that was very much to his credit. Also, I love EDM. So I would love to have a conversation <laughs> yes. with Johnny Ive at some point about, uh, about this because Same. like no one else understands it. So that's funny I don't looking know. at that yeah. unity of team and the unity of product right. that Apple puts out. It's yeah. thematically similar. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm the only yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say that my I, I totally agreed with you. Um is in, in that I liked like how the team was, was given credit and that they refer to things as the team. My only criticism there would be that of all the people who work at Apple on that design lab, we know the names of two people. We know Johnny Ive, and now we know Mike Newsom, Mark Newsom yeah, is his right. best friend who was just hired. We know Johnny's name. We don't really know anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing that I guess is sort of, I guess goes counter to some of that, which is I understand giving credit to the team, but it also feels like the team is kind of faceless um, mm -hmm. e from, from any level at all other than Johnny. I I guess I would say like, I it may not be, I, I would not guess that that would be Johnny Ives sitting there saying, like, I'm the only one that's going to be in front of oh, the Oh, I press. don't think it's him at all. Oh, and, I don't think it's him at all. I, I would say, like, saying, a giant an space thing. cat. Something that's really interesting to me is, you know, I'm continually talking to my team and saying, do you want to talk to press? Do you want to be out there? And they're very conscious. They're like, no, we don't want to do that. And I think mm -hmm. there are some creative types that are they're very sensitive to being in the spotlight. So, I mean, and I'm only guessing what the politics are at Apple, but I, I think sure. there could be any number of reasons for that. Does that make sense? Do you know where I'm coming from? No, and yeah. I agree with, no, and I, I, and I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to pin this on Johnny at all. I, I don't think it would be his, his choice. I do just think that it's an interesting thing to note that. Yeah. I think internally in the team, I do think that it's probably important that it's, it's everyone's idea. And there might be a, a project manager, I think they said, but each person contributes to all the projects, which I think is really mm -hmm. important. But I think from like the outside looking in, it's still worth noting. Um, and I think that maybe this is part of bringing Mark Newson on and, and maybe this is part of doing things like what they're doing now, like opening things up to the press, is that mm -hmm. by giving him such a huge role as being the person um, – I think it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because obviously he's a genius and he should be, you know, credited for that. But it's a bad thing because what does eventually happen when, you know, he's ready to retire. Right, right. Yeah. And we have to have confidence in a new figurehead. Exactly. Which is hard exactly. To get yeah, yeah. Three years of work. So, Simone, what was your, what was your takeaway from this piece? Uh, my takeaway from this was that the Toyota Echo is ugly. You know, I, <laughs> I loved the uh. humor that was in it. Um, and the mythology, like I was saying, it it felt it has this sort of dreamlike quality. It's very surreal, but it was an incredible insight. Like the the, the 
it was almost hyper real, a hyper real look into this world that we really have not had such an intimate view of before. But my favorite, my favorite part was absolutely the part where he was in the car with Ive, and they, Ive said, I, um, what was I have the quote written down here? So much of our manufactured environment testifies to um, carelessness. And then he just kind of changes the subject and refuses to drop names. But then he just kind of casually disses the Toyota Echo. <laughs> and I, that just to me, it was so, I, it was hilarious. I, I was just yes. giggling in the office reading. I, I love that. I love that. And mm-hmm. I also love the fact that at the end, he was like asking him about, you know, the, the protruding camera on the iPhone 6. Yes. And it was very I clear that Johnny that. I yeah. the Johnny I clearly hates that too. It was like, well, it's a very pragmatic decision. You know, obviously if it was a little bit, you know, we needed to have the camera here, but if it was a little bit thicker, it wouldn't have worked. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the way the way he quotes him saying, and yeah, you just know that in inside Johnny I was just yeah. dying, just like a lot of us were when we saw it. We were like, Why is it not flush? So much tone, um, I think, comes through in this piece. So much of his sort of a very British humor, a very British yes. uh, deprecation of things. One person's car is another person's scenery. <laughs> well, I thought I thought quote. it was just brilliant, and mm, I just yeah. I thought it was really I thought it was really well done. And I thought I don't know I I'm always the iconoclast to me kicks in when we're talking about you know Steve Jobs or, or Johnny Ive or any of these people, and I I I. I, I can always say like when when I talk to celebrities or I talk to other well known people in my in in game dev, you know, I'm always kind of conscious that like, hey, I'm just talking to a person here, and I think there's right. like my gut instinct is still never like, you know what I mean, like worship somebody, but he's Absolutely. he's he's clearly ridiculously talented, and yeah. I I I think if nothing else, I I. Re- I always respect the care that Apple takes with their mm-hmm. their designs, uh, even if I'm not thrilled with the Apple Watch. But you know, well, like yeah. uh, I, I I thought it was a really cool looking to uh, you know a team working in an environment that is literally the best in the world, and mm-hmm. I think that you know listening to someone that's really good at the job in any field is is always yeah. fascinating and you know that's yeah. why I took from this. It gave me a lot of respect for the process for the. The amount of peop- the amount of care that goes into designing an Apple product, the synthesizing all these things so that it feels like something that just belongs. It the the design belongs with the UX. It it just works all together, and it gave mm-hmm. me a lot of respect for how all those different parts come together with yeah. people's devotion. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's another religious word. Cool, Christina. Do you have any last words here? I, I don't. I just, I mean, I just, other than, I think, again, it was an incredible piece of journalism. And if you yeah. haven't, you know, take the time to read it, take the time to read it. Because, you know, I think John Gruber said it best. He said, you know, we'll refer to this for years to come. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. right. Because there are very yeah. few pieces that people, A, there are very few people who get access like this. And yeah. you can say whatever you want about how the access might have been procured. You might, you can say whatever you want about how, you know, things might have been, you know, tilted in a certain way and, and, and you know, manufactured in a certain way to give off a certain image. But the, 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 the fact of the matter is, this is someone who does not get interviewed very often and who access to and access to in this space is incredibly limited. And yeah. so to have this and to have it reported well and to have it reported by someone mm-hmm. who seemed to understand things and who wasn't going in as a fanboy, but also wasn't going in cynical, who was going in, you know, seemed to be as impartial and, and as, you know, as smart as possible, I think is, it, it's, it's great that this sort of journalism exists. And, yeah. and it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I would be a liar if I said I wasn't jealous that I didn't have that opportunity, <laughs> but, but, but beyond that, but, but honestly, I'm 
not even really that jealous. I'm I'm happy that I get to be a reader and a consumer of something like this. I'm glad yeah. the stories the like this can be written. Really there, there's so I, much I, I, bad I, Apple journalism. There's so much <laughs> bad Apple journalism. There is. So there's so much, much bad journalism, period. Most, you know, most, yeah, but Apple journalism is. Absolutely. Like, if you're reading an article about Apple and it's not by one of the Apple like reputable sites or not even reputable, but well-known people that at least understand Apple, like it's probably bad, you know? So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And also like, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that uh, Woodward, Woodward and Bernstein used when they were, um, you know, basically taking down Nixon. It was like, this is the best obtainable version of the truth. And I yes. think like when you're talking about <laughs> Apple, there is like, you know, that's why like Christine, I wouldn't hold that critique. Like, I wouldn't take it seriously for four seconds because like, yeah, the, you can't read this piece and not be blown away by the truth that's inside of it. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I'll just close by saying I want my own uh, you know, Johnny I Playmobil. That's, yes, that's yes, who I. I want one now. I, I want it badly. That's that was that was my favorite anecdote of the entire thing. I have to say was that yeah. he has his own Playmobil Johnny Ive. That's pretty that's awesome. Amazing. Can we can we have an honest moment here? So when you yeah. we're watching an Apple keynote, like do do your hearts flutter a little bit when Johnny Ive comes on screen, or is that just me? Because like no, he's, he's I, my, do. Yeah, I do. Someone has a crush. Right. We start saying oh, he's aluminum. So cute. Yeah. Aluminium. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although that was the thing I liked too. His sons say aluminum the right way. Right. <laughs> the right way. <laughs> His sons say aluminum, and he says aluminium, uh, but his sons don't say it that way because they've been raised in the United States. Right, He has, right. He has twin 10-year-old sons, and uh, and they say aluminum correctly. But no, when he says aluminium, the thing about Apple is <laughs> sometimes I need to create the most perfect thing that I can, <laughs> and then I look – in my workshop, yeah, you know, I know, I love him. You need so to understand much. something. You have to, you have to look at it and pe- yeah, you should work on your Johnny Ive and bring yeah, that. I should. Bring I'm, that going, to class I'm going next to next week, Christina. That's gonna be that's gonna be my impression that I work on for next week. It's gonna be to my get Johnny some Ive. Gray sheets right. of silk to drape all over the tables in your home and then touch them reverentially. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, can you guys can we talk for a second about how amazing? Like, so apparently one of the little kind of tidbits buried in this is that they're working on an Apple Store kind of redesign with Angela yeah. Harris, who was yeah. the. CEO of Burberry, and I love her. She's my hero. She's amazing. Awesome. But can you even imagine an Ives like Aaron's like, uh, and, and the guy who ran Yves Saint Laurent? So the three of them together, can you even imagine the amazingness that the Apple stores are about to become? I know. I, I know. We want to throw things. I know. I like know. seriously, like we're talking Burberry, Ive, and Yves Saint Laurent. Yeah, like, that's gonna be it, epic. It, it, that's gonna, <laughs> well, I think, I and that's gonna be the new it, Apple store. I feel like the Apple stores feel a little bit dated when you go in there. They, they like, do. Yeah, well, they yeah. do because I mean it's been the same. It's been the same. Um, you know, um, storefront since they opened. I guess but in two thousand one, yeah. I first saw my first Apple store in two thousand two, right. and it's basically been the same layout. And yeah. no, you know, it, it, most people aren't that familiar with Burberry, but um, and. Angela at, at Burberry did some amazing things, especially with their interiors and doing really cool things with RFIDs and magic mirrors mm-hmm. and all kinds of mm. really technical, awesome stuff that she was doing way early. Um, and I think that that her sense of style, uh, the Yves Saint Laurent stuff, and then I've all getting together, I think that we're about to see like the next wave of retail too, which is yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Oh, that's can, awesome. I, can I confess something, something after we ship Rev 60 PC, I'm going to, I've wanted this forever. There's a very specific uh, Burberry leather, like overcoat that you can have that I've wanted mm-hmm. for so long. It's like $2,000, but it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Here like the Burberry, in Boston, yeah, the, it's the, 
You right. get the Burberry trench. No, right. it's iconic. Yeah, it's something you could wear for decades. And Absolutely. I just, no, no, you, I'm totally going to sport on that. I'm going to sport on that. I've worked my butt off for years, and Heck I'm yeah. going to go get that coat. I'm going to go get oh, that coat. Oh, wow. I want to look that's all matrixy. Yeah. Oh, see, are you looking at it right now? I'm, yeah, I'm Googling yeah, it right now. Yeah, that's epic, <sighs> right? That's epic. I'm going to get that and some cool sunglasses. And I'm just never going to take it off. It's going to be summer. I'm still going to Oh, my be God. You'll it. be on yeah. your motorcycle like an anime character oh my God. with yeah. a trench coat yeah. flowing behind yeah. you. Oh, my yeah. God. You'll look so hot. It'll Can I tell you, there was... Uh, God, I did this photo shoot, and they sh- they flew out um, this ex- this really well-known photographer. He had just come from, um, like, shooting celebrities at Sundance. <laughs> and he's coming <laughs> over to my our office and like i'm like we're wheeling out the motorcycle and like they're holding up cameras and all of this for it it was just it was it's really it's uncomfortable for me because i didn't mm-hmm. that's not why i went into you know game development or really want to be on camera i better start programming yeah exactly <laughs> that's my dream i'm gonna i'm gonna start doing that so uh let's talk about uh better call Saul. let's You're talk right. about yes it. this is by the way you- this is a feature of rocket we call dessert so we have our two serious topics every week and then like we throw in a fun topic so this is your dessert mm-hmm. topic this week mm-hmm. so yeah you guys should sell better call salt to me as a person have right? you not okay have you seen breaking start Bad? us off Bree. start us start us off give it give right. us some background so you know uh breaking bad it there's a really interesting story of breaking bad because it, it basically the ratings went nowhere for mm-hmm. the first, how many years was it on before it kind of got picked up on it, Netflix? It, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was on for five years, but it really picked up, I guess, probably like season, season four. Season three, something. Yeah, yeah season well, four. Season three, season, season four. Three. Yeah. Because they split things into multiple seasons, so this is why I'm getting confused. Right, but yes. right. And, and then it got on Netflix, and everybody started binge watching it and yeah. i didn't see it until the show was over and listen i'm not trying to oversell the show because i know a lot of the time like things get overhyped in the media mm-hmm. but breaking bad really truly is a modern day macbeth and it is five seasons Completely. of seeing a man start off eh, he's flawed from the very beginning but seeing him just go but so he becomes far even over. more yes the flaws become amplified yes and it is like, uh, was it Dennis Hopper that like he binge watched all of Breaking Bad and then he wrote Brian Cranston and said like, sir, I must tell you, this is the finest piece of acting I've ever seen. And he's completely right. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. it's a stunning show. So, you know, the show is over. Um, you know, it's basically the story of a, um, you know, a man that gets cancer and then becomes a methamphetamine dealer. Um, so... This show gets over, and over the course of the season, there was kind of a the breakout character, you know, the Kramer of the show, and his, <laughs> his name was Saul Goodman. And the idea is he's a, a criminal lawyer. Um, it's actually really funny because uh, the first time I met the the actor that that played him was on Seinfeld, where he was uh, Elaine's. Do you guys remember the Seinfeld where Elaine was with someone who was trying to get into med school? And then he was failing, so then she stopped having sex with him, and then he finally got into med school and broke up with her. Oh, yeah! That is yeah, the, and they so all try to stop level. so they can, their right. IQs can go up. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So that's the actor for Better Call Saul. It's really weird to watch that episode, by is, the way. Well, his yeah. name is Bob Odenkirk, right, and, and right. he's also one half of Mr. Show with David Cross oh, with Bob and David. Oh, I completely forgot about that. You're right. So he, yeah, and, 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 and oh he's, uh, he's also a writer. He um, was um, on uh, one of my favorite shows, um, uh, kind of had a small role in one of my favorite shows which was um tom goes to the mayor with uh with with uh with uh tim and eric 
Um, uh, and, uh, he was a writer and a producer on that, but yeah, no, I, I, I will always know him from, from Mr. Show, <laughs> but yes. So anyway, nice. but they, they spin off the show and from the beginning, I was extremely concerned. Um, like, mm-hmm. do, because sometimes when they do spinoffs, they don't work, you know, and they like, look at Joey from friends. Like that show was a, a disaster, <laughs> disaster, epic disaster. Or, you know, you could point to any number of shows. Um, and I was really, really worried about the tone. And what makes me really excited about this is, you know, we're three episodes in and tonally it's pretty much the exact same as Breaking Bad. Like there's not, um, there's not kind of a, an overarching, plot yet that I've seen, but it's still this kind of very dark take on everything. And mm-hmm. uh, except it's a little more funny because she you has know, Saul Goodman yes. is the, the main yeah. character. Um, but and Christina, you've seen it too. Like what are, what are your thoughts on it so far? No, I love it. So, I mean, you know, the yeah. Saul character, like you said, he was kind of, you know, the, the, the Kramer, you know, he's this defense attorney and what's kind of great about him is that he never wants to go to court. Like right. he doesn't do anything. He can't like go to bed and get inside the right. courtroom because he knows if he's in the courtroom, he's not going to do well. So he's going to do anything he can to like broker a deal outside of court, you know, encourage his, his clients to break the law. You know, he's like the, he's like the quintessential smarmy like lawyer that you see on TV or in the, mm-hmm. or in the yellow pages. And what I like about the show is that it takes place both kind of before and after the show took place. So most of what you see is kind of like a prequel to, you know, six years before he met uh, Walt, Walter White. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you also kind of see like where his life was after the series ended and kind of what he's doing. And <laughs> he's working it, at the Cinnabon inter- counter. <laughs> yeah, he's working at the Cinnabon counter, which is what he said. Where, so spoilers, he said, what he said yeah. he was going to do. He said, oh, I'm going to be a manager of Cinnabon. And that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> uh, and he's kind of reliving his old life. And, it's a really it's it's a dramedy in the purest sense. Um, AMC had said mm-hmm. at one point, you know, they considered you know, the creators of the show considered making it like a half hour comedy, and then they decided, no, you know what? Actually, this really we need to keep the tone kind of the Breaking Bad mm-hmm. thing. It's funnier, but it's still kind of serious. And what I like about it, I love procedural, um, like like I love lawyer shows. I love shows mm-hmm. about law firms. Like, I loved The Practice, and I loved um, you know L.A. Law, and I loved Law and Order. And like there are a lot of you know I, I like that type of show, Allie Boston McBeal. Legal. I love Ali McBeal, yeah, Allie all McBeal. the David E. Kelly yeah. stuff, all the David E. Kelly stuff. I loved. And this is kind of has that kind of, you know, sense to it, but with a character, you know, but taking place in, you know, kind of a previous life before he became the Saul that we know now. And and it's, it's funny, but it's kind of serious. And in, and like Bree said, you know, it hasn't really kind of gotten to an arc yet, but you can see that it can kind of building to mm-hmm. something. And I've just, I'm really impressed with it. And Bob Odenkirk yeah. is doing great. Yeah. Um, their promotional campaign with it has been awesome. It's the highest rated, um, basic cable premiere in TV history. It premiered nice. like four and a half million users and, and viewers. And that was like up against, um, the Grammys, I think, when it, when it premiered, mm-hmm. you know, so it was not going up against, you know, like nothing. Like it had like strong competition and it was still a humongous hit for a cable show. Now, and, uh, I was just gonna ask, knowing what happens in Breaking Bad, knowing where it's going, does that affect your enjoyment of the show or not? Do you think? No, that it- no, because it's only no. using side characters from the show. Exactly. And even exactly. if you and know, thing- yeah, that the truth is still there. I mean, it- the truth is still there. Not yeah. only that, but but Saul was like the one. The reason he was such a great breakout character is he was the one mm-hmm. character. He was smarmy and he was like kind of like terrible, but he owned it. So yeah. you yeah. could kind of enjoy it. Like like you could kind of enjoy what Saul was doing because Saul like owned his own awfulness and in his own kind of corruptness. Mm-hmm. So it's more enjoyable than like watching someone who was 
a teacher and, and flawed kind of go into this Macbeth story. You know, he was more like the court jester who was aw- self-aware of everything that was happening around him. So this is like the Rosencrantz so, and Guildenstern are dead of Breaking Bad. Basically. If Breaking Bad is the Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, kind of, kind of. I mean, that, that's basically kind of, kind of, kind of the thing. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he was a purple character and they might have some of the other characters kind of make appearances on there, but it's not to the sense where you're like, A, the way his, his whole thing ended up wasn't tragic and B, mm-hmm. compared to everybody else and B, because he was just kind of, you know, he's like, he's the lawyer that you see on TV who like you call like for, for personal injury stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, seeing a show around him, you're not expecting him to be like this redeeming great character, yeah. which right, to me right. means you can enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, there's also not a lot of the gross out humor so far. Like the first season of Breaking Bad, like there was some stuff that was really hard to watch just from a, a gore point of view. And, mm, you know, there true. really hasn't been any of that so far. It's just, I don't know. I, I think you're really right. This, the, the procedural point of it, Christina, because it's, it's more of a, yeah, it's weird. It's like LA Law meets Breaking Bad a little bit. <laughs> it really is. It, so, it, but, it, but it does. Yeah, it has a, yeah. Because like, it, it is. It's like an L, it's, it's like a David E. Kelly show back when David E. Kelly made really good shows. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've missed having something like that on TV, especially with like, it, it reminds me a lot of LA Law, but with Harry, you know, Harry Hamlin's character, but also, um, you know, um, uh, Alan Shore from Boston Legal, you know, there's just something about having kind of a erasable kind of central character who can kind of get away with, with things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect to see, which is just fun to watch and enjoy. Yeah. I read um, a review of it. I read the Verge's, bleh, I read the Verge's review of it by Eric Thurman. One of the things that he said was actually that the story of Better Call Saul was interesting to him but he almost wished it wasn't part of the breaking bad mythos that it was standing on its own and not under the shadow of that show i haven't watched it so i i'm curious to see what you guys have to say about i mean i understand what he's saying but at the same time i kind of don't know how you could get away from it you know it is a Mm spinoff I think yeah. it will, though. I think it will. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I mean, it, exa- exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that I think they're doing it the best that they can. I mean, it's yeah. kind of similar to me. I guess I would compare it to a spinoff. And this is actually really high praise, even though the show didn't last very long. And already this show is successful and has been renewed for a second season. It was renewed for a second season before it even premiered, though. But <laughs> um, w- with Lou Grant, which was one of the many spinoffs of the Mary Tyler Moore show, was like a serious drama hour-long drama where after Mm -hmm. the mary tyler moore show the events of that ended you know he kind of ran his own kind of newspaper and it was a very serious kind of issues oriented show and it was really good what show was Um, this again i miss lou grant oh i've never heard of that yeah um so so it was a spinoff of the mary tyler moore show it aired in 79 i think and and it was very different from you know the comedy of of mary tyler moore And, and this is i think but it's in the sense where i i see what he's saying but it's like there's no way you can separate the two. I think yeah. that they are kind of building it up. Aaron Paul has already said he's not going to show up. They've talked about maybe having some cameos from some other people. And I think that'd be fun maybe for the first season. But what's nice about it kind of existing not in that world, but before and after is that they can they can tell mm-hmm. unrelated stories. Yeah. Hmm. So it does have a chance to break away and stand on it. Oh, own. completely. And the thing too is that it was it was it was a popular character, but it wasn't as if you knew his whole backstory. You didn't know his whole everything. You know, you knew parts of him. So you know, okay, it's kind of like Frasier, I guess I would say. You know, you knew Frasier at the bar on Cheers. You know, you knew him yeah. as Diane's boyfriend, and 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 you know, like what he's you know foul, but like you didn't really know anything about him. And then he gets his spinoff, and like you see an entire new world. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a really good example of a show that 
went off in its own direction. It wasn't trying to like recapture what made Cheers, which by no. the way I think was overrated. Um, and I think Frasier was a better show. Um, I, I thought well, it happens in Seattle, so right. Well, it's yeah, it's happens <laughs> so in the best show ever. Right. Um, no, I thought it. I thought it. It, it established its own characters. And mm-hmm. it kind of found its own vibe, which was yeah. sort of the same, but sort of different. I mean, you know, it was very much a, a comedy of errors, every single episode of Frasier. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. And, and, and I think most people who watched Frasier would forget that it was a cheer spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, did. especially by the second season, you wouldn't even remember that it was that it started that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how the best spinoffs work. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a spinoff is a difficult thing to do, but I think if you do it right, it's that you can respect the original thing that it came from and still be part of that universe but you don't have to live in that world all the time it doesn't yeah. have to be joey which is the worst example <laughs> oh my you know, god joey, was that show a train wreck? it was terrible so, it was oh, terrible and it didn't oh, work for so many reasons oh. but you know you look at like so, how something can be successful you know you look at um again boston legal is one of those shows where most mm-hmm. people would never even realize you know it's a spinoff of the practice yep um and of course csi miami another legendary success <laughs> <laughs> well but i'm sorry <laughs> But even SVU, you know, I mean, even, yeah. you know, it lives in its own world from some of the other law and orders. And, and, um, you know, uh, but there are a lot of examples of that. Melrose Place, which was a 90210 spinoff and, and nobody ever referenced Kelly and Donna and the gang after the second episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when, when it Models kind of, Inc., which is the spinoff uh, of. <laughs> which was a spinoff of Marvel's Place and was amazing. Yeah. And they ended yeah. on a cliffhanger and it was terrible. And to oh. this day, I'm still mad. Although they did the E, when it aired on E, they did, um, uh, clean up most of the cliffhangers. Carrie was still stuck in prostitute jail. Yep. But, um, uh, oh the God. woman who, who, the woman who ran the, the modeling agency shut it down. Emma, um, uh, Emma Sams oh, was shot. Her. Not, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. people what? getting married. Yep. And, um, but Carrie was still in prostitute jail. Uh, the modeling agency was shut down. Um, uh, the, the, the bullet did not hit the married couple. And then that was kind of the end. And they aired this on E. And I remember seeing this. I was like 14 and I was like, what? how did Model Zinc end? Yeah. Yeah. Oh we'll God. never know. By the way, I want to have a conversation. I have to have a conversation with you at some point about the Melrose Place reboot, which I watched all yeah. of recently. I did too. It has I did too. Ashley Simpson uh, as, yes, as Sydney Sydney's Prescott's daughter. daughter. It's so trashy and so good. <laughs> it's so good. They, they, mur- they murdered Sydney yes. in the original what? Melrose Place. They bring her back only to kill her again in the pilot. Yep. I could have died. It was I can't believe so- oh. you guys. Uh, oh. all right, and then look. the ratings were so bad and Sydney's character just and left. Were. And then <laughs> the show quality just went to hell. And, and, and then they tried to bring oh. back Heather Locklear, who at this point right. had a couple of DUIs under her right. belt and like, was yeah. no longer Heather Locklear. No, and right. I was like, bring back Kimberly and Sydney. Now, here's right. my idea. We're way off topic now, but this is genuinely my idea for, for a sitcom. <laughs> Speaking of spinoffs, I want to have okay. a sitcom where – so in the original Marvel's Place, we're going to pretend the spinoff didn't exist because it was trash. Okay. In the original Marvel's Place, both Sydney and Kimberly's <laughs> characters died. And at the end, Michael was kind of left happy. So here's my idea. Michael makes a deal. Basically, Sydney and Kimberly, because of all the bad deeds they did in heaven, uh, on earth, were sent to hell. <laughs> but once they're in hell, they're annoying the hell out of the devil. And the, the devil's just like, I can't deal with these two. <laughs> so he goes to Michael and he's like, Michael, I've given you so much. I've let you get away with murder. Literally, I've let you get away with all <laughs> like kinds of scheming. Times, yeah. Here's, here, here's the thing. <laughs> You're gonna have to take Kimberly and Sydney off my hands, and you're all gonna have to live in a house together. But here's here here here's the catch: nobody can know that they're still alive. 
So you're going to have to keep them under your own house. So imagine a sitcom <laughs> of Kimberly, Sydney, and Michael living together where Michael is trying to like prevent them from their hijinks. And it's kind of like, there's kind of like, you know, um, a Roger from American Dad trying to pre- prevent them from like going outside and, and, and causing trouble. <laughs> and the two of them just can't help themselves. I think that would be an amazing I'm TV sold. show. I'm uh, sold. Make that show happen today. Get on it. Right. I don't know I who I have to pay that. for the rights. I mean, Aaron Spelling's estate, I assume, but like, I, I would totally like that would be amazing. I want to see. I think, I think if anyone could produce like truly next gen trashy TV, it would be you, Christine. I think you could excel <laughs> yes. at that. I, th- genuinely, you guys, you don't even know that it's like one of my goals in life is to yeah. create the next great American soap opera. Fanfic, like that you write in your <laughs> spare time. <laughs> Okay, that would no be comments. awesome. Yeah. yeah uh, no yeah. comments. Uh, no comment. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna share my Ao3 screen name at all. Someone go out oh, there. No. We can't go there, no, Christina. We yeah, really we can't know. go there. Someone go out there and look up bad Melrose Place uh, fanfic and see if there's it's anyone not about there. Any like see Warren. You will never find. Yeah. No, please. <laughs> I live please. for TV, so I think that Same. I think that you need to start your own network. Just call it Trash Network and just roll from there. Own it like Saul does. Well, here's the problem. I would like to call it the CW, but it already exists. <gasps> oh, that's oh. right. Oh, no. You should just take I know. over the Sue CW. Them. You should just I take know. that over. Yeah. I, I would love to. That would be the mo- Anyway, you guys, we're, we're going way, <laughs> way too we long. we talk about We've... what we are doing this week professionally, Let's besides taking over uh, <laughs> the CW. <laughs> <laughs> Christina is just actually taking over everything. I was gonna say that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just taking over everything. Right. That 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 that's that's yeah. my update. Okay. You're the next Johnny Ive. You're the next CW. The mm-hmm. the current CW actually. I am the current CW. That's exactly it. No, the yeah, original. that's that's my weekly update. All right. That's, that's great. <laughs> wow. I'm taking over the world. Sorry. That's it. That's it. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I started making let's plays. So wow. Yeah. Are they not gonna? Oh man. Foreshadow that with the Elgato them, thing. And they could be good. That would be like yes. awesome. I that would be tremendous. Be yeah. What are you let's playing? I started with uh, Jasmine for the new Dis- for Disney Infinity 2.0. That no. figure yes. just released this month, oh. so I played around yes. with that. Fantastic. It, it, uh, my feelings for Disney Infinity are still very mixed because I know the gameplay for me is genuinely just painful. Um, although I admire its power as a creative engine, but but the toy box mode is so good. It is good. <laughs> I, like, I I don't okay. Agree. So this is my yesterday. I spent two hours in the Disney Infinity toy box, swearing and swearing and swearing and trying <laughs> to make things and swearing. Um, if I start warming up to it, I will let you know. I admire many things that other people have created with it. And then today I did the Let's Play, um, which. It was going to be me and Courtney together, which is great because we have a dynamic where we are like, if you guys watch Rooster Teeth, uh, we are Michael and Gavin, but with less swearing. Um, I'm incompetent and she's really smart and wonderful. Um, but You're unfortunately, she wasn't able You're to. You're also smart and beautiful. Thank you. Oh. It, it, I, I hide it under my veneer of incompetence. I'm doing the thing again. You're See, doing I can't do that. And I know that you. I know that you really are confident, but I just feel it's important for everybody to know you're you're, you're beautiful and talented and awesome. So yeah, I this totally is a, a podcast, on you, so, so no one can tell how beautiful I, don't care. I am. But that's why it's care. a podcast because it would be so distracting. Like Helen of Troy level, <laughs> just. Aphrodite oh, comes down. You just to glow. Me. Like when we hung yeah. out, you just there's this aura around you the entire time. It's very yeah, distracting. I'm, actually, I'm yeah. completely in the dark right now. I've turned off all the lights <laughs> in the office, but it's illuminated by my glow. 
which is really saves on electricity bills for me. So anyway, Courtney couldn't do it with me today, so I had to do it alone. And oh. I feel like it's it will be lacking something because I miss her so much. But hopefully we'll get me and Courtney together playing some Nintendo games. We're going to do a Nintendo Land Let's Play, which yes. will be chaos. And I am really excited. I would be willing to do a Let's Play with you at some time. I think that would be, I think that would be awesome. awesome. I would love to do a Let's, a let's Play. I could just be like, just chill in the background and just like watch you guys play. Drink, <laughs> drink wine, sipping wine Actually, in the background. Actually, that would be backseat gaming yeah although i probably want to like we're doing some nintendo stuff i'd get down we should like do a let's play like you know like i would totally do do mario party when it comes out and there will be no survivors oh my god oh my god christian what systems do you have um i have an xbox one an xbox 360 a wii a wii u um a ps3 a million emulators cool and so um, so yeah. we can play together basically yeah <laughs> like, totally we totally play together <laughs> that, you, you i don't have systems. i don't have a ps4 yeah. i don't have a ps4 but yeah no you're not I, missing I anything else. yeah as we discussed christine is omnipresent she can do whatever she wants that's true that's true so. she's not human she's a terminator cyborg sent back in time to the first trash that's tv exactly it. from the future <laughs> brianna what are you doing this week so guys 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 what? i signed a i signed a contract with the largest literary agent in the entire world this week. Christina Warren Limited? No. 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 I did. Simon I did. Schuster? No, no, no. I don't want to talk. Oh, literary agent. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Gotcha, literary gotcha, agent. Gotcha. So agent. these are people. Congratulations. And the way it works is, yeah, they work. Oh, it's a huge, huge deal for me. Very, very excited. So that we. Is really freaking awesome. We are. Fantastic. Yeah, they're in a position to like basically go through and write this epic book that I really, really want to tell and I really want to get turned into a movie. Um, so I am really, really excited about that. And one of the things that, one of the reasons I went with them, because I have, you know, I have a lot of career options right now, is I felt mm-hmm. like they would be in a position to get me the kind of advance that I would need to get um, the kind of researchers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fact checkers and, you know, people to work with me to to really make this happen. So, you know, Christina, like we were talking a bit about the, um, you know, the Aaron Sorkin uh, script for, you know, Steve Jobs uh, biography. And, you know, as we're like putting this project together, I really have that specific project and, and also social network and some of these other stories that have, um, you know, kind of taken this, taken real life events and turned them into really serious human stories about conflict with, with mm-hmm. flawed people. So I'm, I'm tremendously excited about that. Um, so yeah, awesome. yeah, that's so really exciting. I mean, we've got to make it happen. There are a lot of steps down the road, but um, you know, this is a really, really big deal for us. Also, mm-hmm. you know, for us, we're, we're making a huge push right now on the VC scene. And um, mm-hmm. we've had some, some meetings this week as we're, we're putting our deck together and we're kind of getting ready to, expand to the you know basically expand our company and you know i'm i'm really excited um you know i guess i I probably shouldn't talk about this on the show but i will um one of the the people i met when i was in uh, france recently um has some really good connections for seika one of my lifelong dreams has been to uh work on the space channel 5 franchise i would love to yes oh my god isn't that that great isn't that great fit it'd be so perfect for you care about and you know seika because their earnings are kind of Dreamcast. not super right now right dreamcast <laughs> they're making a really good big push for for mobile right now in in yeah. the direction that we're going 
so like we have a short-term goal, but we also have a long-term goal that we want to be really well positioned for VR technology. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, this is all part of where we're going as a studio. Um, you know, we're go- we have a meeting with Microsoft soon about some of their VR technology that's coming up. Yeah, you know, we're we're meeting with Oculus. It's it's a really exciting time for our company. And if I seem a little bit less burned out as opposed to last week, it's because yeah, like I spent most do. of this year, most of this week like working on building games yeah. again and it was Yay. wonderful so that's fantastic yeah, i'm so yeah, happy yeah. for you yeah i'm really i'm i feel really confident about where we're going it's exciting that's really awesome yeah yeah all right so brianna where can we find you find me on the internet find me at okay so i'm speaking at three different universities soon i'll announce it on twitter as soon as the security mm-hmm. gives me a thumbs up or thumbs down that's in the next three weeks four weeks wow. so uh i'll be speaking at different college campuses i'm speaking at pax east um we did announce today that due to security concerns we do not feel comf- uh we don't feel confident enough to um basically have a booth, have a booth at pax east because it's literally thousands of people coming by um and you know so we're we're talking to pax about that um i know a bunch of media is doing stories about it so tomorrow's gonna be a terrible day for me but um Mm. so we're not gonna be there but i'm doing my panels i'll be at uh i'll be at pax east for the isometric live panel and also uh, a panel on if games are truly censored in this industry and also speaking at pax east this year uh basically talking about if women are hard to animate so uh you can find me anywhere that's really cool (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. christina where can we find you so you can find me on twitter i'm film underscore girl and you can find me at mashable uh, mashable.com slash people slash christina and you'll find all my articles and uh that's me great and you can find me on twitter at doom quasar and at pixelkin.org and soon even more so on youtube so are we gonna hang yeah. out at pax east you're coming to pax oh, we're right? so gonna hang okay. out Okay. Oh my God. We should make Christina yeah. jealous, and then I'm yeah. so jealous yeah. that I will not be at Pax East. I'm so jealous. We'll take 50 selfies. <laughs> send them all to you, one after another. We've got to do that. Where, where is Pax East? Is in Boston? Yeah, it's in Boston. Boston yeah, forever. that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so close. Ugh. I know. We'll make it happen soon. We'll make it happen soon. So cool, cool. Well, this was a good yeah. show, guys. This was. Uh, a we had show. Daria. This we got. Good. We we found Christina's hidden talent. I I feel good about this show. Darlings, it's been lovely. 